where top executives and crazy entrepreneurs gather to talk about the future of electric vehicles. This is the Driving with Dunn podcast. Welcome to the Driving with Dunn podcast here in the first week of August. 2022. Our special guest today is a young buck MIT graduate named Yen Ye. He's the co-founder of Battery Brunch, a weekly gathering of the brightest minds in batteries, cathodes, anodes, LFP, NCM, solid state, the works. Yen launched Battery Brunch in 2019, and he's engineered its spectacular rise as the go-to place for battery knowledge, intel, gossip, even making new friends. But before we get into the conversation with Yen today, I'm going to shake things up just a little bit by taking the advice of Mark Leonard, a very good friend of mine for 25 years and a regular listener to this podcast. Mark's recommendation was direct and succinct. Give us your opinion, Mike. Tell us what you really think. So here we go. And to make this fun, I'll ask myself a question. I'll answer that question. And then I'll give my reasoning briefly. Are you ready? All right. Three questions today. First, Mike, what electric car would you recommend to your brother-in-law? And this is assuming you're on good terms and you hope to stay that way. Answer, well, that's easy. A Tesla Model 3 or a Model S if he's just won the lottery. There are more and more challenges out there, of course. Some very good ones. But no one matches Tesla's charging experience alone that blows everyone else out of the water. Why mess with number two when number one Tesla's right there front and center in front of your eyes? Second question. Hey, Mike, is it true that the Chinese have a stranglehold on batteries and supply chains and that America and Europe are so far behind that they're doomed ultimately to misery, to failure? Come on. No, that's absolutely wrong. The global battery era is only in the second inning. Yes, okay, China has a solid lead to date, but the world is never static. Think about what China looked like 30 years ago compared to where it is today. Same's true with batteries. This is a long game, far from over. I really start to yawn now whenever I hear differently. Hey, people say China's in front. We can't catch up. Where were the lithium-ion batteries first invented? Need I ask? Of course you know the answer. All right, question number three. Will the Ford F-150 Lightning and the Chevy Silverado pickups, the electrics, be spectacular successes? Well, early customers love the Lightning. Linda Zhang, who was a guest on this podcast, did a marvelous job with that product, the F-150 Lightning. But here are two things that have me worried that could be ruinous for this fast start. First, will customers experience what I call real-world range shock? when their 300 miles rated trucks deliver a lot fewer miles because of hot weather, needs air conditioning, because of high speeds on the highways, because of heavy towing, because of hills. Yeah, that's going to knock that 300 range down to 250 to 200 even real fast. Second, I just do not trust those third-party charging arrangements. You know, your Electrify Americas, the EV goes. Who owns the customer experience, the automaker or the charging center? Too many charging stations today are rife with broken chargers or chargers that trickle out the ions. Have you been there? You get to 70% and then it takes another half hour to get to 80%. No, Americans are not patient people. People, 
All right, that's my opinion. What do you think? Agree or do you have a different take? Hey, wait, what time is it? Is let's not be late for brunch. That's Battery Brunch with Yen Ye on the Driving With Done podcast. Hey, good morning, Yen, and welcome to the Driving With Done podcast. Thanks, Michael. Glad to be here. Um, big fan of your podcast and uh, really glad to, uh, to have a conversation with you today. As is our custom, we start out with a really super easy question. That is, what do you drive? How do you get around? Yeah, Michael, I think this is such a great question that you open your interviews this way. I think the decision to purchase a car can be you know, a really personal choice and can be really revealing. So I'm glad that you um, open your interviews this way. So for me, I am currently on my second Chevy Bolt lease, and there's a um, there's quite a lot of inner dialogue actually when I made these decisions. You know, to you know, in 2017 when I leased my first Bolt, and then I think last year when I kind of renew my lease. All right, we we like um, inner dialogues. Tell us. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll go into it. So I think yeah. I leased my first Bolt in 2017, uh, just a few months before the Tesla Model Three came onto the market. Um, and I think at the time, you know, a 60 kilowatt hour pack, uh, 266, you know, pound feet of torque, um, it was a good feature set, right? Given kind of what was available on the market. Um, and I think on a more personal level, other than just it being, I think it's a great product is uh, two other things. One is, um, you know, I came up, you know, through my education and my career, I just worked in batteries, you know, my my whole adult life essentially, and it was just important for me personally that there are more than one American manufacturer that's you know kind of good at EVs, and I and I thought, well, you know, the Bolt is a good good choice, and and I wanted to support, um, you know, another company that's um, also especially up there in the space. Bay Area where Teslas are at every intersection. So you're going. That's right. Balance. Yeah. But ultimately, the battery came from from where. Uh, I believe it's LG, LG, uh, LG batteries. That's right. That's right. You are in, had inspiration a couple of years ago to found the Volta Foundation, and subsequent to that, an, an enormously popular get together called Battery Brunch. What was the inspiration? What's Volta Foundation, and how does it improve people's lives? Yeah, thanks for the question, Michael. So, about two years ago in 2019. A couple of friends and I got together and um, started looking at the ecosystem, right, of the battery ecosystem. One thing that was becoming obvious to us is that it's the industry is going to grow tremendously um, in the next right five to ten years. Mm -hmm. And when you look at other industries that are more mature, you know, like biotech, like semiconductors, like IT, um, in each of these industries, there are these wonderful um, nonprofits that serve really critical functions for the ecosystem. Things like workforce training, um, content creation, policy advocacy, mm. um, uh, you know, educating the public, uh, things like that. So at the time we didn't really have a nonprofit like that exactly for the battery industry. So we thought we'd get together and start doing something um, you know, in that direction. So the first thing that we started was an event called Battery Brunch. And the reason it's called Battery Brunch is because it started out literally as a, a brunch of battery professionals in the Bay Area. So our first brunch, I think, had about 10 people from 
a bunch of different companies in the Bay Area from Apple, from Tesla, from um, Voltaic and Stanford and so on. Since 2020, we've been growing about 50% quarter on quarter for the last 10 quarters. So today, um, our battery brunches are still a monthly event, um, but the attendees are about 500 to 1,000 live attendees um, at the battery brunch. So the way we think about battery brunch is a monthly conference of battery people um, attended by 70 to 80% of the people that typically go to conferences. But then there's uh, just 20% of the attendees who um, really want to come and learn and grow, um, but don't normally have access to this level of you know, information and networking opportunity. And we're really proud of that as a nonprofit to, to make that yes, possible. Yes, and you have some very highly regarded people from the industry. As you mentioned, I saw people from Tesla, I saw people from Lucid, from Rivian, yes. uh, heavy hitters, people really knowledgeable about batteries. And then in addition to that, startups too. So just last month, the most recent one, Muji by Jazz from Our Next Energy was a, yes. sort of hosted a, a room within the battery brunch. That was terrific. Yeah, that's right. And so for the listeners that haven't been to a battery brunch before, the format is every month we have eight to 10 different breakout rooms. Mm -hmm. And the breakout rooms are usually hosted by senior executives or sort of subject matter experts. Uh, and uh, as an attendee, you get to choose you know, whichever room that you want to attend. Tremendous value and in, in particular important. Say you started this five years ago, it may have fallen flat because it wasn't timed right. The relevance wasn't there. Mm -hmm. But today it seems like America especially is just beginning to wake up to the challenge of battery. So let's pull the lens back, way back. And could you walk us through a little bit? Where's the battery? What's the battery industry look like globally? Who's in charge of batteries today? Where are they made? That kind of stuff. All right, Michael, since we want to talk about big picture, let's yeah. kind of really zoom back. Way back. Um, we're, so we're I would on, say- We're on a satellite way out in space. Way, way out in space. Okay. That's right. So I would say, let's take a look at the energy and transportation industry as a whole kind of globally okay right? so energy and transportation as an industry is the largest industry on earth right so for the last hundred years uh the energy industry has been basically synonymous with fossil fuel oil and gas and coal right but today we are at an inflection point in the history of energy and transportation right so for example since 2010 uh, the price of batteries have uh, at the pack level has dropped from $1,000 per kilowatt hour to just about $100 per kilowatt hour today. Uh, so in other words, batteries are 90% cheaper today compared to 10 years ago. Where's, the, where's America? Is it, are we winning, placing, showing, or we're way at the back of all the horses and we're hoping for a miracle comeback? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a hot topic you know, these days, right? So I think if you take a look at just a rank list of the top battery manufacturers in the world, by market share. Um, the top 10 battery manufacturers, every single one of them are in Asia, in China and Japan, and South Korea. Top 10, uh, all in Asia. That's right, yeah. And, and I think that might be really surprising to people, uh, especially in light of kind of the fact that a lot of the te underlying technologies are invented uh, here in the United States. And that's a great think, point that's not that widely understood. We're the masters of innovation in R&D but the commercialization happens on the other side of the Pacific. Almost $40 billion in fresh capital has been committed to those joint ventures you've been talking about between mm -hmm. the global automakers and their battery partners. So North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Ontario, all announcing multi-billion dollar new battery plants. So it's real. It's not maybe on the if come 
perhaps someday in the future, it's happening as we speak. So that's just on the joint venture side. Then you have the startups. And then more recently, we hear of powerhouses like Panasonic coming into Kansas or CATL mm -hmm. rumored to come into North America. So it's if anybody's out there wondering, like um, battery brunch and poetry, are we mm -hmm. still in the poetry phase? No, we're, we've moved on to that. No, term. we moved on to that. <laughs> and even just in the history of Battery Brunch itself in the last two years, we started out uh, as just a group of battery sort of professionals talking about batteries. But today, when you come to Battery Brunch, what you see is that you still have these industry insiders, you know, coming to just socialize. But we also are drawing folks from academia, from finance, from policy, people in media wanting to kind of, you know, get the scoop on, on, on the latest uh, development in, 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 in batteries and what people are talking about. So on the high level, we're definitely drawing more talent from different, uh, from different places. And as the industry scales, today we have uh, one of the biggest problems is not the lack of capital, but the lack of talent. Uh -huh. And so as a nonprofit, for the foundation thinks a lot about, you know, how can we, uh, how can we line up the workforce development uh, in, in the country and also globally so that there's a good pipeline of talent that is going to be able to lead the industry as we grow. Okay, so let me sum up because this is really super helpful big picture stuff. Today, top 10 battery makers all in Asia, US, Europe racing to catch up, mm. billions being invested in new battery plants as we speak, and it's for real. Uh, what would separate? Are we through, like, what would you call it? Are we over the hump where in the past we did the R&D and innovation, Asian companies commercialized? Do you feel as though that has changed fundamentally and that we are ready? Okay, we need the workforce, we need the talent, but do you feel as though we've reached exit velocity where, yes, there's enough momentum and money invested in North America and Europe that it's going to balance out. Five, 10 years from now, we'll see major battery makers, not only in Asia, but also in the United States and Europe. Yeah, that's, um, that's hard to say. I think the future is hard to predict. Um, but what I can see today is there's so much investment hmm. in, in domesticating the R&D, the manufacturing um, of batteries. In, in North America, there's a lot of attention from policymakers on this topic and really talented people are coming in from other industries to help out, you know, in software, in consulting, in policy, in finance. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one thing that uh, America has always been really good at is, is innovating. And, and, and so I think these are not insurmountable challenges for, for Americans. Okay, we, we took the satellite view or the view from space. Now I'd like to ask us to ask you to move much, much closer to a very everyday practical question that confronts people considering whether or not to buy an electric car. And that is this five letter word called range. Yes. <laughs> In recent travels around the country, I've talked to dealers, customers, policy makers, manufacturers, battery makers, startups, everybody seems, it seems to be the topic of the year. How do I think about range as an electric car driver? Yeah, range is an interesting topic. Um, electric vehicles are so interesting because it's a car, but it has different characteristics compared to the cars that people are used to driving in the past, right? Also, I think range is yeah. one of those um, one of those things that uh, that is not the same. So, for example, in an electric vehicle um, on the highway, you actually get worse mileage com compared to driving in the city, and that's the reverse of. Um, what people are used to for why for is that engines. why is highway mileage worse for range 
Yeah, there's an, I can give you a nerdy answer. Yeah, let's go question. nerdy and I'm going to jump yeah. in there when it gets too nerdy. So the, okay, so the drag um, on the car, right, increases a cube of the speed. So, um, and so the, the, the drag at, at highway speeds is just a lot higher, but, for the, but that is the same for electric cars uh, and ICE engines. What's special about electric cars is that batteries have a characteristic called internal resistance. And so um, when you are driving a car quickly, you are draining the battery quickly, um, but there is a loss when you're draining the battery quickly, right? So imagine if you're using a battery fast, it like heats up, right? So that heat, the equation for that heat is the square of how quickly you're dra draining the batteries, I square. So, okay, so yeah. let me jump in and stay on track here. With an ICE vehicle, I'm going 80 miles an hour, my gasoline consumption is going to be greater too. So where is where does it break off? Where where do batteries underperform at high high speeds on the highway vis-a-vis -vis ICE vehicles? So the way I think about it is yeah. that um, batteries are happiest when you're draining them slowly. Okay. And so when you drain them quickly, as you know, driving in a highway, for example, um, mm -hmm. they just lose more energy as uh, as waste heat. Okay. Yeah. And then conversely, in the city gasoline powered cars do not do well because you're accelerating and braking accelerating again you're gulping mm -hmm. a lot of gasoline but batteries right. do much better batteries do much better for two reasons one is you're draining the battery slower because it's slower speed in the in, in the city and also you have regen uh in the battery so when you brake, you're actually charging the batteries uh, right when you let off the accelerator batteries. automatically you're mm -hmm. getting this regenerative braking happening which isn't mm -hmm. which is slowing the car and transferring energy back into the battery so you can actually end yeah. up with more battery charge than yeah. yeah especially if you're going downhill yeah okay yeah kind of a beautiful uh solution to to braking i think so yeah. that, that's a great point i think anyone buying an electric car out there is wondering like Hey, how will I do on the highway? I get 40 miles per gallon on my X, uh, you know, on my uh, gasoline power car. How will I do an electric? Oh, I'm going to only get 32. <laughs> what, what happened? Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's one, one aspect to get used to as we move to electrics. So a big test no, is when you get a question from friends or family and they say, we're thinking about going electric right mm -hmm. now. Is now the right time? Should I wait a year? What do you tell them? Uh, yeah, that really depends on what their priorities are, I think. Uh -huh. Yeah, so everyone's, of course, a lot very different. I choose an electric vehicle because as an ownership experience, I really enjoy that. I, I, I don't like going to oil changes and having to maintain the car, um, you know, going to gas stations and paying so much money uh, to, you know, where the money is going, I think just makes me not, it's not a, a happy experience going to a gas station. So. Um, uh, and, and so being able to, you know, charge with electricity and that's kind of, you know, lower cost per mile. So these are the things that kind of make me happy. So I think if someone uh, is similar to me, I think those are good things to to highlight as advantages of EV ownership. Also, it's super quiet. I love the serenity of driving an EV. Yeah, so, so those are the things I appreciate. Yeah. Okay, our time has flown by. But importantly, I know that a lot of people will be very curious and interested about battery brunch in particular, because it's so easy to get on board. It's so practical mm -hmm. and it's happening weekly. As you said, it's like a conference weekly on batteries. How do people learn more about battery brunch and about you 
and about the mm -hmm. Volta Foundation. Yeah, so um, the Volta Foundation, uh, we have a ton of projects other than Battery Brunch, which is a monthly conference. So we have Battery Brunch, we have a really popular report called the Battery Report that's been downloaded more than 100,000 times, um, as well as periodicals and other kind of in-person events that we also host. So to find out more, uh, go to volta.foundation, and you can reach me at Yanet. Volta.foundation is my email. So uh, Okay, you're right there in Berkeley. Everybody. And I'm in you, Berkeley, yes. And uh, I can say in my experience with you and with the Battery Brunch that you guys are second. And I think you're, one of your co-founders is Linda Jing. Is that right? From Linda. Tesla? That's right. Yeah, she's yeah. a wonderful colleague. Um, and, and we actually met when, uh, when we were both uh, students at MIT. Ah. And we uh, actually uh, ran the MIT Energy Club together. And so that was kind of how we got started organizing communities and got our kind of passion in helping people connect uh, to the resources they need and, and to realize their potential. Oh, so I just discovered there's an MIT battery mafia out there. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of us uh, uh -huh. yeah, out here in the Bay Area in Boston. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of people working on, on uh, kind of clean tech and electrification. Tremendous. You guys are in the right place at the right time delivering tremendous value to, to all of us. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you for your time today. Really enjoyed our conversation, Yen. And uh, oh, one last thing you told me earlier. What's your name mean, Yen? This is this is unforgettable for me. That's right. So my name, Yen, in Chinese means a virtuous person. I think that's my, my a virtuous person. Who doesn't want to know a virtuous person yes. <laughs> in today's world? Beautiful. Mr. A virtuous person, thank you again. Thank you, Michael. Uh, so good to be on and I'm a huge fan of the podcast. So uh, thank you for the work that you do. Thank you so much. Take care. Battery Brunch, what a terrific resource for people getting up to speed on batteries, on cathodes and anodes and lithium and mining, you name it. I love the foresight and the initiative by young minds like Yen and Linda and their team at Volta Foundation. Check them out today. Now, during recent travels across Asia and more recently within the United States, several people asked me what kinds of projects my colleagues and I at ZozoGo are now working on. Well, I thought about it and there's actually three big categories and all of them are of immense importance first the biggest is this giant thing of u.s china decoupling in semiconductors and batteries and well everything how big how soon and basically how risky what are the options going forward for global automakers suppliers companies operating in the people's republic the second area in great demand is this trend toward massive investment in north american battery plants and supply chains, the so-called battery ecosystems. We are now talking not millions or even billions, but tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars lining up for investments in batteries. It's the new plastics. And third, third is something so important, but it doesn't get enough attention. It's getting more now is customer experience in third-party charging networks. It's pretty sad out there. Today, there's Tesla with its own network, highly reliable, coast-to-coast, -coast, fast, convenient, and then there's everyone else using third-party providers. I'm wondering how on earth will other automakers close the gaping hole in their customer experience? And I'm not the only one wondering that. Automakers increasingly are paying for good knowledge and information about what they need to do to make the customer a little bit happier when they go to charge. Hey, if you're looking for that kind of intelligence or numbers or trends or whatever, Connect with us 
today at zozogo.com. That's Z-O-Z-O-G-O.com. Thank you for joining this episode of Driving with Dunn. I am Michael Dunn, and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Driving with Dunn. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And to reach Michael Dunn, go to zozogo.com.